1982, one of the greatest comedians of my generation, Eddie Murphy, teamed up with Nick Nolte to make the film directed by Walter Hill, 48 Hours. This is widely considered and often credited as being the first in the buddy cop genre, including such movies as Lethal Weapon, Bad Boys, and Rush Hour. This week, Tommy Throwback Kovac and myself sit here and talk the movie 48 Hours and reminisce on how great the movie was and how funny Eddie Murphy was in his prime in the 80s. Sit back and relax, because the boys are back in town. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, host of the show. This week, we have another co-host with us, special on hand here, Mr. Tommy Kovac. Tommy, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Chris. I am happy to be in your casa. (laughs) My casa. And he has a show of his own, by the way. Tell us about your podcast, man. Yeah, it's called uh, Splat from the Past. It's on YouTube. Um, It's audio only, black screened, and I interview everybody from the world of horror, sci-fi, teen comedy, classic rock music, television, uh, occasionally porno, uh, depending on the season. Um, yeah, and it started out It started out as mostly a horror and sci-fi only show, but I've really broadened my horizons and talked to everybody um, in retro, you know, film, television, music, you know, because that's always been a passion of mine since I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I had thought about a couple of times reaching out to people uh, from the music industry myself because I, I, I love yeah. 80s hair music, 80s hair bands, mm-hmm. um, that, what they refer to as arena rock as well and stuff of that nature. But oh, yeah. I, the problem is I find out that when you do more of a family-oriented show, you get the guys from there. They're so used to the way their everyday life goes. They just got no filter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people them. It's a family show. We kind of cut it down, and they're like, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll cut my F-bombs down from 20 to 10, you know, or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would be something I'd love to do one day, I think, maybe try to give it a shot anyway and just beg for mercy and say, please don't say much. Uh, but anyway. my, show, my show, by any means, is not family-friendly, right? But I can accommodate people if they if they wish, you know, if they don't want to swear and they don't want me swearing, that's fine. I have no yeah. problem with that. But I'm not family-friendly at all. <laughs> it's and it's good. It's good. Most, most people don't. Uh, the one of the other guys that that hosts with me on here as well. He he has a similar show to you. It's a very similar show. So, but he's completely different when he's on here with me. He he, he does pretty much the same as I do. So everything's good. Um, we are going to have some fun this week. We are going back in the classic eighties movie from nineteen eighty two. I'm going to play a small clip for you guys just to see what you think because once you hear this there's no way you're not going to know what the movie is but uh anyway here we go with it here we go part alone, most people will stand up and yell out 48 hours. Yep. Uh, the, that actual clip, I'm not sure if it's from the first 48 hours. Did he do the same Did he do the same thing in another 48 hours when he's sitting he, in the cell? He, I'm trying to remember. He, I remember he's singing James Brown on the bus, but I can't remember if... Oh, no, no, because he's playing basketball and Nick Nolte went to go visit him and he was mad at right. him for not talking to him for years. And then, of course, he hits him in the face with the basketball. But, um, no, he just did the James Brown song on the bus. That was it. Okay. Well, the, it went, it's talking about, this must be where uh, the character Nick Nolte's uh, Jack had stopped you know, the initial visit with him and left and went to the next clip. Because the clip coming after it, which I stopped it on, uh, doesn't look quite like it did from the movie, I didn't think. But it, it stops right there. It's only a 24-second clip. Anyway, 48 Hours. Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, uh, one of my favorite 80s flicks from back in the day. Eddie Murphy was always a favorite of mine growing up in the 80s. He had so many good movies. And I'm just going to throw a couple of them, couple of them out there. Uh, we went over a couple weeks ago uh, with on Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, and this will be the second one actually that I've done as much of an Eddie Murphy fan as I am. But around Christmas time I'm thinking about tackling trading places as well. Ah oh, yes. 
Love it. Low trading, low trading places. It's great. But he has so many great movies in the 80s. And some movies that some people are like a little questionable on. But, you know, they were still, at the time, very fun movies. Uh, I don't go back and watch Golden Child very often. Yeah. Uh, but would I watch it again? Sure, I'd watch it again. I just don't. I'm not going to blast it like I will Beverly Hills Cop. I'll, I'll play that every day of the week, and that's all good. But uh, 48 Hours, to so give you guys a brief storyline on here, this is IMDb uh, I'm looking at, and this is how they describe it, the storyline on IMDb. Oddball cop and tough guy Jack Cates is the only survivor of a cop shooting and in hunting down the murderer collects Reggie Hammond from jail for 48 hours. Hammond is oddly motivated to help. The killer is searching for his stash of cash. Cates and Hammond, who have the black-white cop crook thing to work out, make surprisingly good partners as they navigate through the city, looking for their suspect. I, it, that seems like they kind of... Um, I don't want to say they're wrong on it, but by watching the movie, I was under the impression that that cash really belonged to Reggie Hammond or something. Like He was a part of the crew as well, but it's like... I guess he stole it from them, technically, or maybe he was a part of getting that cash to begin with, and then he got yeah, stashed in there. When him yeah, it was, never, it was never really clear. Um, yeah, I, I do know that you know he had that cash, you know, in, in the back of his car in that garage for three years that he was in jail, you know, and it was never really clear if he stole it or you know where did it come from, you know? Right, and it's funny. Uh, <laughs> The guy goes to pick up the car, um, Luther, played by yeah. David Patrick Kelly. Uh, that guy, back in that day, he had some of the oh most smart aleck um, people he had to play, like in Commando. Yeah. And the role in Commando he played was, was, was great. And yeah. this one here wasn't quite Commando-ish, like, as far as his attitude goes, but still, a little, little criminal role, a little snarky, a little smart aleck. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, he goes to pick up the car He gives him the ticket And he says man this thing's been here for three years He says I've been out of town I've been busy That's <laughs> what he says Can you charge the battery too Yeah <laughs> Anyway great yeah. uh, it's, it, I, I rewatched this Just yesterday Well actually part of the uh, not I finished it yesterday The first half of it was the night before I've been so busy with work and everything. It's hard to slide these things in sometimes. But And I hate splitting movies apart in two days. But I did manage to get it all back in. Nick Nolte. Did, were you ever a fan of Nick Nolte as well? Oh, God. I, I think he's one of the great actors, you know. Um, another movie, you know, because I told you before we started recording that I used to uh, watch movies with my dad when my mom wasn't home. Well, 48 Hours was one of them, but we also used to watch Teachers, and I think it's one of his most underrated performances ever. Great movie. A lot of great ones during that time frame. Uh, one of them I remember watching, I can't remember if it was 80s or early 90s, but Blue Chips. I think it was 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I think around 94 or something. Yeah. yeah it, having Shaq and Penny Hardaway had to be in the early 90s for sure. So early to mid 90s. Uh, but that, uh, the movie with uh, Julia Roberts, uh, kind of a, a, the rom com. Oh, I love Trouble. I love Trouble, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a great movie. That was fun. But he's had so many good ones over the years, man. It's it, Putting these two together was, was a great idea, I thought. Yeah. Because they get the perfect. Um, I get along with you kind of friendship, but I hate you at the same time partnership. Yeah. Well, and they, they, they work it well throughout the movie to start with. So, uh, just a, so I'm, I'm going to throw this at you and let you run with it for a minute. Okay. Like we mentioned earlier, Nolte's character, Jack Cates survives the shooting and he yeah. wants to get these guys bad because it's his gun. He's got that he killed the cop with. Right. He doesn't like this. So he goes to break out Reggie Hammonds, who's a part of the gang. When all this happened, uh, and I believe the guy that helped him track that down, the guy in the police precinct there—that's the that guy has been in so many movies. Brian James, usually he's usually a bad guy, hardly ever a good guy. Usually a bad guy, and I think ultimately in this one he turns out to be the bad guy, if I remember correctly. In part two, uh, yeah, part two when you get to part two. Uh, but Nick Nolte getting Reggie Hammond out of prison. Give me your take on that. What you thought about him getting to prison, signing him out? talking with him for the first time, telling him what he wants and everything, basically setting up the partnership that they're going to be doing. 
Yeah, I, I can't even think of a single role where Brian James was a good guy. I think maybe in the first one, first 48 hours, that's the closest to it, you know, even though he's kind of a smartass when he, he tells him to go to, to um, go find the number himself. <laughs> You know, because he's because he's about because he's about ready to leave work. You know, yeah, I, I can't think of a single one, but we lost that guy way too soon. He did so many great movies. Remember uh, Sam Raimi's Crime Wave? I don't think I've seen Crime Waves. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five. Um, Louise Lasner, Sherry J. Wilson, um, Bruce Campbell's in it. I forget the guy's name offhand. It's about a married couple on the honeymoon, and then something goes to hell where. Uh, Paul Smith, who played Bluto and Popeye, and Brian James are these two conmen um, repairmen, and they're they're on a um, a little crime spree. It, it's really really funny and really dark and screwball kind of slapsticky. Yeah, yeah. I have to check it out then. Uh, the, yeah. main thing I remember, the main thing I remembered him in off the top of my when I think of him off the top of my head is Tango and Cash. Oh yeah, Plan C. Yeah. Yeah. Armed and Dangerous, remember that one? Oh yeah, Armed and Dangerous. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Him him and Jonathan Banks. It was like a forty eight hours reunion. Yeah. Jonathan yeah. Banks, I believe he was the guy also with he was also in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Like the hitman guy for the bad guy. So as far as uh Noti and Murphy's characters coming together, uh tell us what you think about that as far as the beginning of the relationship they were going to be forming as a partners for 40 just for the two days they're going to be out there it just you know it, it develops you know i'm i mean obviously there's tension from the moment that they meet and i think i think nolte gets gets a respect for for eddie in the bar in the redneck bar scene but he knows that he has a job to do so he's going to still keep you know messing with him until you know he tells them you know what this whole thing is all about you know and then once um they're in the uh they're, they're at torchy's bar you know then everything finally gets resolved between them yeah there's a uh, quote from the movie where they're in the car and they're waiting for luther to come out i think to follow him and um Reggie Hammond's, and I guess, in the back seat, laying back. It says, Jack, tell me a story. And Jack's like, F you. He goes, Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> just, just that quick, you know? Just that I still quote that line in my family to this day, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It was, it was just one of the, the funny movies, the funny parts that stand out. It was great. Yeah. Uh, but this movie also, also a lot of great people in here. We're, we've, we've thrown out some of the names uh, already. Of course, with Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy. Uh, David Patrick Kelly, Brian James, Sonny right. Landon. Sonny Landon's Landon. a lot of great movies. Uh, Annette uh, O'Toole playing Elaine. Gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. James James Remar is Gans. I, I, not by his performance as Gans, but his picture on IMDb. And I haven't clicked on his name yet. I can click on his name and see what else he's been in. But off the top of my head, looking at his face, I've seen him in some other movies and it's like I can't quite put a movie to him at this point, but I know I've had to see him in something else. The face is too familiar. Can you think yep. of anything else he's played that he's played in that was popular? Yeah, James Remar. Yeah, uh, the Warriors before this with Walter Hill, who also directed that. Um, the Clan of the Bear Cave. Um, what else? What else? He's done a lot of great stuff. Um, he, he I can't think of it. Guy from Too Fast, Too Furious, playing the FBI agent, but I can't. Swear okay, he was in Django Unchained, the Quentin Tarantino western. Yeah. Um, God, I can't think of anything else popular. I know a lot of obscure stuff he did. Like he had his own action vehicle where he was the star. It was called Quiet Cool in 1986. And it's not the best movie, and I don't know. He seems kind of out of place playing the, the the lead because he's so familiar as Gans and all the bad guys he plays. Like, I, I'm not saying that he did a bad job, but it just like maybe he had gotten better writing, it would have been a better role for him, you know? Yeah. Well, the technical yeah. check is one of the things here. He's been in Drugstore Cowboy, Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. There was uh, the Dream Team. Right. Tales from the Crypt, Brotherhood of the Gun, Fatal Instinct, Renaissance Man. Maybe Renaissance Man is what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. 
But I am not seeing that uh, so far. Mortal Kombat, Annihilation, that's where I've seen him from. He was okay. raging. Okay. That's why he stands out to me. And I bet you anything. Let me go a little further up here. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm wrong. It's a good thing I didn't really actually bet you, I guess, right? Um, he just still strikes me as the guy from that movie from Too Fast, Too Furious, but it's not listed in here. But Raiden, that's where that's where it is. Right. They anyway. say he's a they say he's a sweet guy. I, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Uh, Frank McRae playing the captain. Yeah, uh, loved him in Lockup. He was great in Lockup, and yeah, he, was, he was a captain here too. He was a very mad captain all the time, though. <laughs> yeah, he did um, 1941. And um, the first vacation movie, where like Chevy tells him to like sit and roll over because he's a security guard and he's got the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, James Keen playing Van Zant. Uh, let's see, we got uh, Greta Blackburn playing mm-hmm. one of the uh, two girls there. Along with She's James. on my bucket list for the future. I, I want to get an interview with her. Greta Blackburn. Now I remember yeah. you saying something about. Denise Crosby. You couldn't get Denise Crosby. I'm having trouble putting Denise Crosby in the movie. Where okay. When the two of them go to Billy's old old girlfriend's house, she's the blonde one. Margaret Rose is the other one. And uh, Denise Crosby, she's got the baseball bat and she's hit, hitting Eddie with it. You know what? I had them confused. I had I thought Greta Blackburn was one of the girls. Uh, I thought that was no, Billy Barry's girl. That that was Margot. That was Margot Rose, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Greta Blackburn. She was the hooker in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, with uh, one of my one of my guests I've interviewed, Begonia Plaza. She's the uh, uh, the squaw in that scene. There's two yeah. squaws. She's the one who runs uh, through the hallway when Nick Nolte is uh, running down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Well, I, see, I saw the name of these Crosby, and I'm like, man, I just can't put her in there. But now that I think about it, and I picture that girl, I, I can completely see that now. Yeah. That's great. Uh, loved her in Star Trek The Next Generation. Tasha oh, Yar. Yeah. That, that, was, that was a big thing for me when it came to her and everything. Good stuff. Um, so they get out, they get Reggie Hammond out of jail. They're on the go. They're trying to make this partnership work, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's at one point, you thought they're never going to get along. Jack Cates seems like he is just a just a bad racist cop. If you're if you're looking at it from today's for, through the today's lenses, yeah. he's just a bad, he's a bad racist cop who's going to get fired. Right? He's on the news all the time. He ain't going to last long. Well, well, if you, yeah, at that time and everything, you yeah. know, weren't so hard focused on how cops acted and stuff like that, right? But yeah, it, he just they're not getting along. He's calling him names. He's convict. You know, he's other stuff he's referring to him as, and yeah. they're not nice. And, but then, you know, Reggie's giving it right back to him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as far as how, how they're going. Uh, you, you, you just wonder, is this going to be the whole movie? Are they going to just banter back and forth? Will they ever come together at one point? And, yeah. you know, it, it, it was kind of nice toward the end to see that they start working things out a little bit because they've been around each other, understand each other's situations, mm-hmm. how things are going. Um, the thing about the money surprised me, though. Now, usually in cop movies back then, you know, it was all strictly by the book stuff. You know, I'm not going to let you have that money. Or if it was about a dirty cop, the dirty cop would take the money and run with it at that point. Never, really, I don't remember ever watching a movie where the cop ends up working along with the bad guy in a sense and saying, okay, your money's going to be right here in the trunk of your car still. I had a car detailed for you while you're gone. I think he only had six more months left, didn't he? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, they had, I think he had yeah he had six months left to go on his sentence, and you know you know this was the early '80s, so they were still using that you know mid '70s gritty um, detective cop movie device of um, you know where there's money involved, you know, and that, that that kept going you know until the '90s, you know, and then you know I stopped watching cop movies by the time the '90s were over because it just got to be the same old same old formalic films, but, like, there was always that device of money, you know, in those films. There's only so much you can do. It's either about money or drugs. Drug yeah. shipments. Drug shipments or money. Guns. Got to be, I think it got to be more about guns in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Like, well, stuff with that. Uh, but, yeah, they, you wonder, I mean, they only do, so, do the same story so many times 
for. It's not interesting. It, it doesn't matter who it is that plays the role in it. And also, it seems like there's only so many movies you can make of a certain of a certain thing. All right, all right. Lethal Weapon, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did they do? They go to four movies, didn't they? They did four. And, and I'm talking about a fifth one coming out. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I've never been a huge fan of the Lethal Weapon movies because and this is just my my theory as to why. I think because 48 Hours worked so well because you had a serious actor and a comedian, you know, and both Mel Gibson and Danny Glover were both serious actors, and they're both funny guys, and they're good at comedy, right? But I think if one of them had been a comedian, it, it probably would have been a better movie, in my opinion, and a better franchise. I definitely see what you're saying on it. I also understand why they didn't go that route, too, because you already had so many of those types of movies that have been out and everything as well. Maybe right. it's kind stake of out. a little different, a little bit. Yeah, stake out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, fun movie to watch, but I mean, still. Well, as Paul Newman immediately Emilio Estevez, right? I oh, know. Richard Dreyfus. He looks like Richard Paul Dreyfus. Newman on the poster. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm going to get razzed on that one later, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know his 80s actors anymore. Shut up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get me that one. Yeah. He did look great. like him, though. I mean, he did. Anyway. Um, yeah. Where were we in 48 hours? I had bantered off to the right so far. I forgot where we were. Uh, they're they're basically, um, you know, looking to get the money. They're they're tailing Luther around. Yeah. Trying to find out where he's going. Because he figured that's the way to get to the money to where the car is. I don't, yeah. I don't remember if, if Reggie actually put the car up somewhere or if Luther hid the car for him. I'm assuming Luther hid the car for him because he didn't go to jail and he knew where to go get it. Again, that's one of those plot devices that they didn't clearly explain. I'm I'm guessing. Um, I'm guessing some. Uh, I'm guessing Reggie somebody parked the car before before Reggie went to jail. I don't know. That's just one of those plot devices that just they didn't explain. You know. Um, Back then, you know, movies were so full of, of, like, plot holes, you know, and, like, you know, now we have the internet where people can actually address them, you know, because back then, you know, people would just talk about them and then they would keep it with them for the for the rest of their lives. But then when the internet came, okay, let's talk about it. Why did that happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. Uh, the people who have all the time on their hands to go through and watch and pick out all these, the missed things that they didn't catch, um... But he had on a different shirt like 10 seconds ago. And then now it's a different shirt. Then they go back and it's the other shirt again. Yeah. Or something, something silly like that. The movie itself had a $12 million budget. How much money do you think it made worldwide? Actually, it's just, well, yeah, worldwide. I've read it made $75 million worldwide. IMDb's reporting $78 million. You're close. $78 million, yeah. They're reporting on there. On a twelve million dollar estimated budget, opening weekend netted about forty three. Oh, I'm sorry, four million three hundred sixty nine thousand. Right. Uh, <clears throat> decent movie at the time for length, hour and thirty six minutes, about the usual runtime you'd see. So, not quite a lot of time to squeeze in a lot of plot line though. That's maybe that's why they cut out some of these little certain little things, you know, that we didn't get. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. questioning. But yeah. uh, so they almost have him at one point. It seems like they almost have Luther. And they end up losing him. Um, I forget. This is the one where it goes. Yeah, this goes into the subway. Yeah. They lose him in the subway, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, Gans and Billy, they they were there too, right? So then, yeah, like, yeah. they became they became Jack's uh, focus. And meanwhile, um, Reggie went to go chase went to go chase uh, Luther. You know, right. that's what led. Right to the two of them getting separated. And then, of course, the cops came, and so Jack had to deal with those two cops while uh, Billy Bear and Gans got on the subway. Yeah, now he's worried he's lost uh, guys with his gun, and he's lost Reggie on top of it. And he only had him for 48 hours. Now he's then lost him as well. Fortunately mm-hmm. for him, he had enough respect for him to call him, let him know where he was at, because he really wants to get Gans himself at this point, on right. top of making sure his uh, future, that money, is still intact. So uh, the thing about the bus, though, mm-hmm. that, that 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 was an alright, that was an alright deal. Yeah, he, it's kind of kind of mean spirited. They shot Luther in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking maybe that wasn't going to happen the first time watching originally. You know, I mean, it was coming obviously, but 
I was thinking he brought the money. He showed it to him. The money's there. Maybe he'd go ahead and just drop the girl off to him while they're on the bus together. And what happened from there happened because you figure they're going to chase him at this point and possibly get to him. Ultimately, though, the way they get back to him is going back to the girl's house, Billy Bear's girlfriend's house. And, you know, he's like, he's not stupid enough to go back there. But no. Well, let's check it out. Sure enough. And sure enough, he's there. Um, the movie, let me get to it here. I'm sorry. Um, while I'm looking this up, I'm going to get you to talk about right there toward the end of it where if they start talking about taking him back. He, he goes ahead and fulfills his promise to him. He gets his gets his 30 minutes or whatever with the girl he was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to take him for a drink or something. to go back and turn him back in, make sure his money is safe and everything. What was your, uh, your overall impression in the outcome of the movie, the way they came together as the characters? You know, they started out bickering at each other. They're, you know, you get the cops kind of racist and bad or something, then you go on and now they're all kind of buddy-buddy all of a sudden. I think I, it's 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 great, you know. I think this is the best of the buddy cop movies that came out in the eighties, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I do like Stakeout. I'm not like as I said, I'm not a big Lethal Weapon fan, and I like some of the the more obscure imitators, you know, because there were so many buddy cop movies that came out of this. But I think everything about Forty Eight Hours is just brilliant. Says here, uh, according to Nick Nolte, in 2008, he did this thing called Nick Nolte No Exit. Mm-hmm. Most of the dialogue between him and Eddie Murphy was improvised. It's like, I guess they may have had a script to go by, but you know how a lot of people will get, they don't like what's written down, it's not working for them, doesn't feel right, and they'll start improvising on the spot. Mm-hmm. Things like most of the things were just improvised. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name? Um... David uh, Stephen D'Souza, who wrote the movie, you know, he also wrote um, *Lethal Weapon* and *Die Hard* and *Predator* and a bunch of the uh, Joel Silver action movies and stuff. He wrote a pretty good script, you know, but the dialogue between the two of them that was improvised—it was just brilliant. I don't know what what D'Souza's dialogue was, but what they came up with was was brilliant. I thought. Yeah, and it's the debut movie for Eddie Murphy, *48 Hours*, debut theatrical feature. Right. Well, that was first movie. That what a great movie for your first one too. Very successful. Yeah. I mean, definitely something for him to brag about. Um, do you have a, did you have a preference as the years went on and more stuff came out with him? Uh, Beverly Hills Cop versus Forty Eight Hours. Some kind of a buddy cop kind of deal with him and the guys from Beverly Hills. What do you think the that comparing the two, which one would you actually like better overall? They're, you know, they're two different movies. I love them both. Um, you know, with 48 Hours, it's his first movie. He was coming from Saturday Night Live and stand-up, and he was really green. And then um, when he does Beverly Hills Cop, you know, he's successful already, you know, and he was, was you know, at the point of no return in terms of, you know, being successful there. You know, um, the chemistry between him and John Ashton and Judge Reinhold in Beverly Hills Cop is hilarious. You know, I don't really consider the buddy cop movie, though. I consider, you know, him the lone wolf in that movie in the sequels. And they're just, you know, the guys that, you know, that he helps and they help him, really. You know, so there's, I don't really see a comparison. I think they're just different movies. So, did you, uh, did you ever see any of the other people who were considered for the role of Reggie Hammond before Eddie Murphy got it eventually? I read it was like Gregory Hines at one point, and then there was uh, Richard Pryor. Um, yeah, I, I know that Eddie got the part because Hildy Gottlieb was his agent, and that was Walter Hill's soon-to-be wife at the time, you know? And it was just, you know, fate. It was lightning in a bottle. It, it happened for him at the right time, you know. And they were shooting this movie on his hiatus from Saturday Night Live. And then when he came back, you know, he got so busy on trading places that he, he's only in maybe, I don't know, 12 out of 20 episodes of Saturday Night Live that season. Yeah, yeah. And he, he actually admits here saying he was the fourth or fifth choice for the part. He was not even the first choice at all. Uh, Gregory Hines, like you said, first choice to play Richie Hammond, dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with the Cotton Club. Um, mm-hmm. Other actors, uh, Richard Pryor, the late Howard E. Rollins Jr., and a young Denzel Washington. 
I didn't I hear about Howard E. Rollins. <laughs> Go ahead. I wonder, I wonder how a young Denzel would have been in it. I don't. Uh, I don't know how how similar that would have been. Everybody, you know, they're all they're completely different actors for one. Yeah. And when I think of Denzel, I don't think of anything comedic. And the character Reggie Hammonds, along with Jack K, it seemed like there was that comedic bit from Eddie Murphy that was necessary to make the two work real well together. Yeah. So any of those guys, any of those guys could have played that part, but bring something completely different than Eddie did, you know. And who knows if it would have been successful or not? Maybe it could have been written off as another, you know, Freebie and the Bean or Hickey and Boggs that came out in the seventies, you know. But you know, the fate, the karmic wheel was Eddie, and he turned it into a huge box office hit and a great movie. Absolutely, absolutely. The Jack Cates character betrayed Monday Nolte. They're saying apparently was an inspiration for the Sonny Crockett character on Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, if you watch the pilot for Miami Vice, it's like a G-rated version of 48 Hours in that yeah. they're bickering the exact same way that Ed, Eddie and Nick Nolte do in 48 Hours, but they're not using racial slurs, you know, they're not swearing, but it's very similar to that. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got something that was, that was hot and popular in 48 Hours, you want yeah. to take it. You want to still want to you know, hit that iron while it's hot. And the television mm -hmm. show, could, if it can play off of it anyway, go ahead and play off of it and make your own version of it. Right. Walter Hill later allegedly felt that Eddie Murphy's Forty Eight Hours character Reggie Hammond has been reused. He says that it was morphed into Axel Foley for Beverly Hills Cop and his sequels. So basically, he feels uh, Axel Foley is just Reggie Hammond. Tweaked a little bit. He's a lot more oversexed than Axel Foley is. Reggie, he's been in jail three years. He wants to get some, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's dying for it. Um, so we got here uh, Walter Hill's original rough cut of movie, and Ed O'Toole had a much bigger role. Um, yeah. She says she even had one or maybe two nude scenes in it as well. Uh, not mm -hmm. sure, you know, what changed everything. It says some of the stills showing her character, Elaine, naked in the shower while Nick Nolte is looking at her. Did show up in movie magazines at some point in time, though. They didn't make the movie. I guess it's uh, cutting room floor stuff. It just doesn't quite get there. Let's see what else we have here that might be interesting about the movie. Okay. Let's see. Debut film as a screenwriter for the director, Roger Spottiswood. Oh, yeah. He co-wrote it with, with D'Souza. Yeah. Says Murphy didn't start working the film until a few days into principal photography as he was finishing the season of Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. um, Walter Hill said he's amused that people. Now, Walter Hill said he's amused that people call this a buddy movie as the two leads hate each other. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really consider it a buddy movie or a buddy cop movie, apparently. Which well, I guess yeah. I can see. I guess I can see what he's saying because they are each other's throat. You know, majority of the time. Yeah. Uh, buddy cop would be something easy to use because you've got Jack Case playing the cop and they kind of get buddy buddy toward the end of it. I mean, why not? Right. And plus, you know, one's a cop and one's the convict, so they're both not cops, you know. But it's the beginning of that genre. I, I, I mean, it started in the 70s with Hickey and Boggs and Freebie and the Bean, but then this was the one that cemented the buddy cop genre, I think, you know. And then a couple of years later, you had uh, the Pope of Grinch Village with Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts. You had um, Lethal Weapon and Stakeout. You had Downtown with Anthony Edwards and Forrest Whitaker. You had The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. Like, it kept going and going. Mm -hmm. They definitely got the feel of it. Uh, Nick Nolte was first, was top first build, while Eddie Murphy received second building. So this building order would be reversed for the movie's 90 sequel. Another 48 hours where Murphy would be billed as the first and Nolte second. It even tells you in the first movie the paydays, basically, of how this went for him. Um, I want to say Eddie Murphy works right up here. Let me go back to it. Eddie Murphy's paycheck was $450,000, while Nick Nolte's salary was $1 million for the film. You go to the sequel, another 48 hours, and reportedly not, I guess, you know, set etched in stone here, but reportedly Nick Nolte got $3 million for his character, while Eddie Murphy received $7 million. Wow. Um, talk about a complete reversal of fortunes between the yeah. two. 
but I mean, let's face it. I mean, who made the movie more interesting for you? Was it Eddie Murphy or Nick Nolte? Which character really did it for you? It's hard to say. I, I, I like them both. You know, they were just you know the, they were the odd couple of of you know of buddy cop films. Really, they're both great. You know, but I think all the characters are well cast, well acted. You know, great action sequences. You know, um, a little uh, William Friedkin esque. I think. You know, I love the. I'm from San Francisco, so I love the San Francisco landscape, skyline, scenery that's going on in it. You know, it's a it's a great movie. And you know, Nick Nolte back in the day. I maybe it was just me. I don't know. Uh, several other people have told me the very same thing, though. When you look at actors during that time frame. Nick Nolte and Gary Busey. Some people used to get those two mixed, get their movies mixed up. Yeah. They would say, you know, 48 Hours was like Eddie Murphy and Gary Busey. No, no. Yeah. Nick Nolte was not in Lethal Weapon. Okay. <laughs> but they would get them backwards because I, I, I don't really know why. They don't look that much alike. Yeah. Um, maybe it's that, 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 that brash sound to their voices or something when they act. And the fact they're both blonde, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. I, I was guilty of getting them confused a couple of times myself. Frank McRae, we mentioned earlier. We talked about him for a minute. This was the first of four movies that he played a police captain in. Mm -hmm. um, the next would be another 48 hours, obviously. And then he was in The Last Action Hero. And finally, Loaded Weapon 1, uh, which mm -hmm. was one of those uh, slapstick spoof things. National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, making fun of Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything about it. I watched it, I know. But I could not quote you anything from that movie. Yeah. Uh, Reggie's line to Jack. Forget this man. We ain't brothers. We ain't partners. We ain't friends. <laughs> it's repeated in another movie in 1995. And it's between a white guy and a black guy. If you think for a second, you might get it. I'm not sure, but if you were to that time frame '95, think of a movie where it's action. You have any, any idea where it might be coming from? Ah, you got me. Die Hard on the Vengeance. Oh, okay. It's oh, that was, it's that was my least favorite one, so that's probably why I didn't get it. It could be. It's, it's, it's repeated by Zeus to McLean. So Samuel L. Jackson telling that to Bruce Willis's character. Forget this man. We ain't brothers. We ain't partners. And we ain't friends. Exact line. Making model of... Oh, wait. Now, this is something that was, that, was, that was kind of funny to me throughout the movie. Reggie hates being spotted in Kate's car. Mm -hmm. He said, it's such a big piece of crap car. Even my people see me in this car, man, my rep is done with. Yeah. It's over with. Yeah, why don't you buy something new? Why don't you get something that looks nicer? Yeah. So it's nice car or whatever, but the making model of his car is a sky blue 1964 Cadillac DeVille convertible. Um, Reggie Hammond refers to it as a piece of crap sky blue Cadillac. So, <laughs> close. Make a model of Reggie's car was said to be a Porsche in the film, uh, meaning a Porsche 356 Speedster, but the vehicle seen in both gray due to dust and once clean black actually was a inter, how do you say this? Intermechanica 356 A Speedster replica mm -hmm. built by CMC. So, cars, I, I'm a big fan of, of vehicles from the movies and television back in that time. I like mm -hmm. to make a little you can you really can't make out much on my wall behind me, but there's a few on there. He gets brought up every now and then. You, the only one you can probably make out is the Mystery Machine because it stands out so much. Yeah, but, uh, I can't make it out. No, they're small. They're hot wheel cars for the most part. Mm -hmm. But there's a Smoking the Bandit car. There's the Optimus Prime uh, big rig. There's the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, I do not have the Dukes of Hazard car, but I got the Jeep, the Dixie Jeep on the top. Uh, nice. You can't really make it out because the the case is clear, the Jeep is white, and it's right up against that wall. But to the right of the flash, there, you—it's where it's at. You've got the kit car, 
a smaller version of kit with interceptor mode, and then you got the opposite of kit, which is car, K-A-R-R. Uh, the 18 van, the truck from Fall Guy, the original Batmobile from the TV series, the Volkswagen Bug from, uh, uh, not Herbie, but uh, uh, the Friday the 13th series, I think part okay. six. Anyway, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. If I see it in the store, I got to pick it up. The only thing I, only one I don't have from recent that I missed was the Ecto-1 thing from Ghostbusters. I should have picked up and I didn't. I was going to ask but, you if you had that one, yeah. No, no, I, I I meant to pick it up, and by the time I was going to be able to get it, they already sold out of them. They didn't get them back in. I had to look for it online and pick it up that way. But, uh, you know, if I was to see this this you know 1964 Cadillac convertible available as a replica car from the movies, I would have bought that one, too, and put it out there. I mean, you can't, I, I don't want to pass up on something cool, and I'm a sucker for those things, like I said, so. Um, the, uh, um, gosh, uh, Speaking of you know crappy looking cars, he, he he refers to as his car as a you know piece of crap sky blue Cadillac. But mm-hmm. what did Axel Foley drive? What did he drive? I can't remember what it was, it was called. Of, it, was, it was a piece of crap blue Chevy Nova. <laughs> that's oh. what that's what the girl referred to it as to him. She goes, "That's hey, right." You remember that piece of crap blue Chevy Nova you used to drive? He goes, "Yeah." She goes, "What are you driving today?" He goes. The same old blue crappy blue Chevy Nova. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, Jack Cates, Uh, obviously, all kinds of people audition for the movies. Mm -hmm. And you always hear, sometimes you hear the stories of who declined one and who didn't. Like, it's it's pretty well known Tom Selleck turned down playing Indiana Jones. Right. Because he had this little small TV show he had called Magnum P.I. He was doing. Just so, started. Yeah, just started. You know, he didn't want to give it up for the other. So, yeah, he, it's it's kind of a famously known deal there. But for playing the role of Jack Cates, there's three names here that turned it down that they said. So, apparently, Nick Dolte wasn't their first option for Jack Cates either, if they turned him down. Uh, Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. Lester Stallone and Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I could almost see Stallone pulling it off. Just because I'm thinking of Cobra, I guess. In the back of my head there. Uh, I don't remember a lot about Mickey Rourke being younger. I remember uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Uh, but I don't remember anything else like cop-wise or anything. And I don't know that Burt Reynolds would have pulled it off so well. What do you think about that? Could Burt Reynolds have pulled off the role of Jack Cates instead of Nick Nolte? Knowing what you've seen, and I know every actor's different, brings a different thing to the table. Mm-hmm. But could you, could you see a, considering some of the movies that you know he has done himself, Burt Reynolds, would he fit into a Jack Cates role? I think, you know, if they didn't, you know, leave out the drinking part, you know, and just the exhaustion and all the tiredness, that um, that Nick Nolte exudes. I think maybe they could have pulled it off, though. I think uh, Stallone. I don't know. It would have been a little bit harder. He probably would have had a different name, like maybe an Italian name or something, because he doesn't look like a Jack Cates, you know. But um, no, I mean, it just it just depends, you know. But what we see now, I mean, it was just perfect for Nick Nolte to play that character. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you're talking about names. Uh, the name, Reggie Hammond, wasn't the original name. Well, let me rephrase it. Uh, I don't think Eddie Murphy was happy with the name Reggie Hammond. Hmm. No, 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 I'm wrong. That was, No, it wasn't the original name. I had it right the first time. Uh, in a 2008 biography special, Eddie Murphy states his character's name was originally scripted to be Willie Biggs. Hmm. He had concerns with the name that it sounded too much like a Hollywood made-up black guy's name. <laughs> he suggested the last name Hammond based on a raspy-voiced cool kid from his hometown named Terrence Hammond. Mm-hmm. Reggie was compromised by having just the first name be a typical Hollywood made-up black guy name. <laughs> said, uh, straight from Eddie Murphy. So, uh, he also says uh, he revealed that he didn't know how to act when drawing a gun. No, so he simply did what he did in every movie since impersonating. Bruce Lee. 
Yeah, I'm ready yep. for battle martial arts, Bruce Lee. That is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. Oh, man. Um, so, starting off, I'm just going to talk about Eddie Murphy for a minute here. I mean, we're pretty much, you know, there. Well, I'll tell you, before we, before we get to Eddie Murphy in general, we'll go ahead and talk about the movie real quick. Because we've talked about the beginning where he got him out, uh, the shooting that happened, a little bit in the middle with Luther and all that. Mm-hmm. And the movie comes around, they finally get what they're looking for. Hammond tries to go after Gantz and gets, uh, you know, basically suckered into something. He's got him by gunpoint. Uh, Jack Case comes around the corner because he wants to cut. He says, you know, we're not done yet. I want one more thing to be done. So he mm-hmm. calls Case to come out. He comes out with his gun. And Reggie yells out, just shoot him and get it over with, you know. And next thing you know, boom. And Were you crazy, man? I was bluffing. <laughs> yeah, I was bluffing. <laughs> yeah. I was getting as big as half dollars. Uh, and basically being the end of the movie at that point, that they get their little buddy buddy stuff out of the way and everything. He t- has to take him back to prison. You don't really see him being back into prison, but I think that's where it goes off when he's driving him back and the boys are back in town's kicking in and they're going off there. Uh, but Eddie Murphy in general, I just want to just want to touch on him for a minute because to me, when I think of Forty Eight Hours, even though Nick Nolte is a great actor and played a great role, when I think of Forty Eight Hours, to me, it's still all about Eddie Murphy. Yeah, uh, because, because I was such an Eddie Murphy fan in the eighties. Um, did you have anything other than Forty Eight Hours that stands out to you? If, if Forty Eight Hours didn't exist from the nineteen eighties, what would have been your favorite Eddie Murphy movie during that time, and why? Oh, love training places. It's so politically incorrect, but laugh out loud, hilarious. It reminds me of a Preston Sturgis comedy from the 30s, you know, and it's great. Him and Ackroyd are great. Donna Michi and Ralph Bellamy, Jamie Lee Curtis. That's another well-casted movie. Um, I mean, I love Coming to America. That's another classic. I didn't like the sequel. I thought that was long overdue and just not that great, in my opinion. No, I didn't watch it. I, I did not watch the sequel. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I just, for some reason, I, I, I refuse to watch it. I won't I won't give it a chance. And I'm yeah. kind of glad that I didn't because everybody has said it. So so, mm-hmm. But kinda, the first one was good, though. I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's a classic. Yeah, and definitely Trading Places. There's no yeah. doubt. Uh, I, I think if 48 Hours never existed for me, Beverly Hills Cop or Trading Places would be the one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't make up my mind if I want to be a cop movie or the comedy movie because uh, comedic duos during that time frame, him and Dan Aykroyd were great in that movie together. Mm-hmm. So that would have been something I would have I would have to pick probably as Trading Places. And, 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 it's, and it's good for a Christmas movie too. A lot of people are like, you know, it's not really, a, it's just like Die Hard. They say it's not really a Christmas movie. What happens around Christmas time? You know, there's some Christmas stuff in it. Same with, you know, that's why Die Hard's really considered a Christmas movie. It's got some Christmassy stuff in it at the time. It's a time frame that happened. So I kind of like that. Did you ever see a movie with him in it called Best Defense? Yep. Uh, I think it's maybe more of a Dudley Moore movie. There's uh, some. There's some funny moments in that movie, but it's, it's really bad. There, there's the funniest moment I can't even mention on the show because we're a family friendly <laughs> show. Yeah, I, I should say it's got to do with him and and a significant other form at the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the little sequence they have there, and at the end of it, it just I died laughing. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, that that was not really an Eddie Murphy. Did he just kind of have a, a brief spot in it, and that's it? Yeah, because um, well, they shot an alternate ending where um, him and Dudley have a scene, and for whatever reason, it was cut. I think they should have shown it, you know, because I'd love to see the two of them together. But um, for whatever reason, they cut it out. Okay, and going from Eddie Murphy, then we'll go to the next big star, there with Nick Nolte. If you picked another movie other than Forty Eight Hours with Nick Nolte, that was your absolute favorite throughout the eighties. What are you gonna put your money on there? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I think Harlem Nights is okay. I think The Golden Child is okay. I actually saw that at the drive-in with my parents. Um, saw it on a double bill with, um, Heartbreak Ridge, the Clint Eastwood movie. Um, what else? 
I think that's, well, about, that's, that's about it for his 80s movies. Uh, he's Eddie Murphy. Oh, for Eddie Murphy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, those, those, those are Eddie Murphy movies. I mean, for Nick Nolte, if you were going to think Nick, Nick Nolte. Nick. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I brain farted. Um, <laughs> uh, I like Down Down Beverly Hills. That's a funny movie. Uh, yes. Three, Fug yeah. Three Fugitives is a very underrated funny movie. Um, Teachers, like I mentioned. Cannery uh, Row is good. Yeah, those would be his best, I think. Uh, the one you mentioned a moment ago uh, is the one I think would probably do it for me with uh, it's, was it Three Fugitives? Yeah. Yeah, Three Fugitives. That would probably do it for me right there. I, I thought that was a good movie. To see uh, Martin Short try to be a bank robber was just pathetic. Yeah. So, so pathetically funny. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. Um, and I'm more of a when it comes to movies, I'm more of an 80s kind of guy, but he had some good movies in the 90s as well. I mean, that's where you got, first off, another 48 hours. He was in Cape Fear, uh, Prince of Tides. He was in uh, Blue Chips. I, I, being a, a sports fan myself, I liked Blue Chips. I Love Trouble was a great rom-com. It was very good. Played the character of Peter Brackett in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, think he, I think both of them were reporters, right? He was like the top dog reporter, and she was an up-and-coming, right? Yeah, I had a I had a podcast guest who told me they did not get along on that movie. I mean, it was bad, really, had, really bad. Yeah, yeah. There's several people in movies that didn't get along well. They say Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze didn't get along very well. I believe. I, I'm not a Dirty Dancing fan, so I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not really a fan per se. I mean, I've watched mm -hmm. them. I feel lie about that. I've definitely yeah. seen the movie. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it is a decent movie. But it's not one of those where I'm a great fan of. I do like some movies from the 80s where it's based on dance or music or something like that. If you want to toss out, I think Greece was Greece late 70s or early 80s. I think it was late uh, 70s. 1978. 78, yeah, somewhere in there. But uh, then you got like, you get into the 80s, you break out like Footloose, you got Flashdance, you got Breaking, Breaking 2, you got Beat Body Street. Rock. Well, yeah, you get all these things like that, you know, and those are, those are kind of fun to see. So I mean, I but they said Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze didn't get along well either. And I was surprised about that because their characters seemed like they gelled so well. Yeah, it's, well, it's really amazing what somebody can do, how well they can act. I guess if they don't get along together, that they put on such a good product as they did. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it's obvious to see on screen. Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss didn't get along on What About Bob, you know. But um, it's, it's often the case when two people on screen you see love each other actually did not like each other in real life. You know, it's crazy how that happens. I don't know what kind of person Bill Murray is in real life. Uh, Chevy Chase, though, they say is a really hard guy to get along with in real life. Yeah. And that a lot of people who have been in movies with him said they wouldn't do another one with him. Oh, um, yeah. We see a, a, a very few people who did. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo being one, Randy Quaid being another. Because of the vacation movies, mm -hmm. but you know, it's a lot of people that said they they wouldn't work with him because he's just you know a real butt to be around. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's funny, but I mean, they say he just, he just he's hard to get along with. Yeah, well, I've I've heard people say you know if if you respect him, he respects you back, and also too you know he. You know, he's been in a lot of pain from all the falls he's taken. He's been on, and he was on drugs, you know, earlier in his life and stuff. I think a lot of that stems from it, too, you know. And a lot of his, you know, troubles like that, I think, come from the, the SNL time. Yeah. He was on there. I mean, you're being around, uh, you know, the people that was on the show at the time, uh, some of them well-known drug users, um, Belushi, for example. Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows about Belushi. Uh, how hardcore he was with stuff and everything. So, anyone around that group from that crowd would definitely kind of be different for you. Um, so, uh, all in all, just to get your last thoughts here on 48 Hours, go ahead and just recap it for us, uh, your thoughts on the movie, and we'll go ahead and go from there. It's a great action buddy comedy, you know, and I think everyone should see it. You know, it's been a huge part of my life since way before I was... I should have, you know, seen it, you know, but I just love it. It always takes me back to when I first saw it and just the, the terms of endearment, 
of me and my dad and stuff and just all the, the the great lines and you know singing Roxanne and all of that stuff it's it's a great movie yeah I think everyone should just go check it out I, I think you pretty much sum it up right there and when you say when you talk about something uh, that you can put with a loved one that you brings you memories mm-hmm. that makes it even that much better um, mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't watch a lot of the movies my dad watched when I was little because he was a big he, and today he still is a big western fan and nowadays I'll watch the westerns with it you know I'm more into them now than I ever was you know when I was younger whenever more relevant uh, but I'll sit down with him and watch those things now back then though uh, he would sit up at night before he went to bed and he would watch Benny Hill do you remember Benny Hill? of course that was a big staple in the house too <laughs> he would watch that, but I wasn't allowed to watch it, right? I'm not allowed to watch it. So what I would do is is I would sneak up out of bed and I would the, the couch would be facing toward the television, not toward me. So I'm peeking around the corner watching. And if I want to get a better look at it, I get on the floor and sneak around down by the couch and be laid on the floor down by the couch watching. And this one scene happened one time. That I lost it on, and I got busted <laughs> for watching. But yeah. you know the kind of humor Benny Hill was. Yeah. So there's a scene where, and and in Benny Hill, uh, for people who may not remember or know Benny Hill, he would have I don't want to say scantily clad women, but yeah. uh, women in their their bra and panties running around in some clips. And so to see a woman in a bra with cleavage showing or something was not. Out of you know, unknown for his show, it happened quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's this comedy clip that I still remember to this day, where uh, he's with um, in this in this room, and there's this close up on what looks like a woman's breast with the bra on, and yeah. down the middle. And when it pans out, it's a dressmaker dummy. He's got the bra on the butt. <laughs> and, and when, he's, when you're wondering why it is, he flips it around, and one of the breasts had been chopped off the dressmaker's dummy. So he's like, eh. you know, and one, I just lost it. One of my favorite jokes ever on the Benny Hill show, right? Him and the wife just had a fight, so they're going to bed, and he's like, "Good night, mother of six and she's like, "Good night, father of zero and then he does the look <laughs> like. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right, well, we are right, right at the end of the show here. We're hitting the 58-minute mark, if you will. Go ahead and tell everybody once again about your podcast, and let's get your social media, if, uh, if you're on social media a lot, and let them know where they can find you and reach out to you and follow you and everything. Perfect. Um, it's uh, Splat from the Past on YouTube, and I post episodes almost daily. And um, you can go to my Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, follow me in all those places and stuff. Join my Tommy Kovac podcaster group on Facebook. And yeah, I mean, I'm not for everybody, but I have a lot of fun and I'm passionate about classic film, television, and music. All right, cool. And of course, everybody out there knows uh, if you are a first time listener, you know, we are on social media at Retro Life for You, mostly on Instagram, and it carries over to Facebook. I am on Twitter. I'm not big on Twitter. I'm trying to get bigger on Twitter because, you know, it's a monster all on its own. Uh, yeah. I believe Tommy here knows more about Twitter than I probably do. It's where I've, that's where I found you that was on there. Eh, a little um, bit. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to get better with it. But, you know, they, they tell you to tackle one till you got it mastered and move on to the other, right? And I'm, I'm still right. figuring some things out with Instagram that I want to get done with before I jump on the screen. Um, best way to reach us here, retrolife for you at gmail.com. Uh, that's retrolife the number four, y-o-u.com. And then on Instagram as well. I do answer anything off of there you send to me. So be, uh, you, uh, reach out to me. I'm going to get it you know, immediately the next day, but I will get back to you in a couple of days for sure. I do try to answer everything that comes to me. Uh, we are podcast available on. Uh, Anchor.fm is where we're hosted at. You can get us on iTunes. You can get us on uh, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Practically anywhere you're going to find your podcast that you guys listen to, you're going to find us on there as well. 
And uh, I'd just you know, like to thank everybody for listening this week. And, Tommy, thank you once again for coming on the show with us, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about 48 Hours with us. It has been a blast, man. Uh, Chris, it is my pleasure. Let's do this again uh, in the future if you'd like. And hope you have a happy Halloween, man. Hey, same to you, man. And we'll figure the movie out soon to tackle again, no doubt. I'm, I'm always bouncing around between different co-hosts. And I got people who come on for seconds and thirds. And definitely love to have you on for another one. My pleasure. I'd love to. All right. Thanks. Uh, Everybody, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great one. Have a great one.